dangling from a fire hose outside Nakatomi Plaza, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Put your hands together for two men who are not especially partial to Roy Rogers, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Corey, what old friend of ours threw that diehard reference our way? We always love a diehard reference. That was brought to you by Alexander Berlika. Alexander Berlika. Thank you, Alexander, as always. Good reference. It's like Corey was right there. It's like Corey is sitting right here next to us. It is. Except for one thing. Because he left his essence here. <laughs> you know. I, okay. You, to me, that means that Corey farted and then left the room. <laughs> Is that what you mean? I don't know. It, uh, it just seemed like a kind of quasi-sideways Doctor Strange love reference, and I, I don't know. I just went there. Ooh, Doctor, you know, there's going to be a Doctor Strange movie. Here's the thing. Don't you wish, don't you wish Robert Downey the, the, Jr. You know, the stream of consciousness that dominates this show is just weird. We went from Die Hard to Doctor Strange love and now to Doctor Strange. Don't you wish, that don't, doc, don't you wish Robert Downey Jr. could play Doctor Strange? I kind of do, actually. And the thing is, um, the Marvel character that I was always most excited about to be turned into a movie was Doctor Strange. I just, I'm worried because it has to be very particular. It's not like other Marvel. You know, Doctor Strange is a very, very unique character. And there was a Doctor Strange movie for television in the, I think, maybe early 80s. Do you remember this? No. You don't. They, they, they tried to launch a Doctor Strange series for television, and there was a movie, and it was great. It was really, really good. It completely captured the spirit of the, uh, of the comic book. And it, but people who watched... 1978. 78. So close enough. It, but people were freaked out. People were totally freaked out by it. It was great. I, it was really freaking good. It was with, really good. With some... With a guy named Peter Hooten playing Doctor Strange, a guy who is so nothing that he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page and he <laughs> starred in a movie. <laughs> but it was a good it was a good movie. Anyway. I'm worried about Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy that no even mm. people who love comic books don't even know what the hell that thing is. I know, is. I know. And that is like that's basically making just another type of movie. Yep. You know? It's going to be interesting. That's, gonna, that's it, really going to put the Marvel brand to the test. It is. If they can't sell that, yeah, it's that's, going to look like there's cracks in the Marvel universe. The, the, if, they, if they can't sell that, because that is the only reason people are going to go to that is if... The Marvel brand. The Marvel brand. They're, it's like the Disney brand. It's like, I don't know what this is about, but I trust the brand. So that's going to be the, the test to see if the brand can transcend the, in, the subject of the individual film. Yeah. It's going to be a real test. Yep. Oh, I see that pile, Wade. Yep. You it, know what? It's it, kid vid time. Oh. I know. I know what you're saying. It's, I know. I, I don't know. have kids. I do. And uh, so, what am I letting my daughter watch? Well, I'm throwing a lot of this stuff on. There's always an hour or two between soccer games, and she needs to be uh, appeased. So, now, did the USA, uh, did, did they win? Dude, no. Oh, that's long sorry. gone, dude. Sorry. Stop it. They, they, got their, they got ousted by Belgium. It's painful. It's, it happened two weeks ago. Let's not, you know, enough already. Uh, anyway, I'm going to blow through this real quickly. Uh, we've got a couple from Nickelodeon here. Heroes in Action and Robot Invasion. Uh, these are basically just uh, compilations, you know, some SpongeBob, some Teenage Ninja, Ninja Turtles, some Sanjay and Craig on each of these. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of any of them, so I can't really recommend any of these. My daughter doesn't particularly like any of it. Unlike most kids, she looks at SpongeBob and then uh, she goes and does something else. Uh, Alpha and Omega 3, The Great Wolf Games, only at Walmart. This is a Walmart exclusive, a Blu-ray, DVD, and ultraviolet combo set uh, from Lionsgate. I didn't realize there was a second one in this, uh, in this series. Uh, a lot of kids love this. My daughter loves dogs, any dogs. We have a coyote that actually comes and occasionally sleeps in the backyard, this disgusting, old, dying, mangy, kind of swollen coyote. She thinks it's a dog. It's fine. Looks like a dog. And she says, woof, woof. Uh, but for the, the, the cartoon dogs in Alpha and Omega don't really do much for her. And uh, I don't, can't say I, I'm terribly enthralled. Gave this thing about 15, 20 minutes. It didn't really float any of us. But I guess if they came out with a third one, it's a bit of a big deal. You know, must have some kind of a following. Uh, Leapfrog's Letter Factory Adventures has another entry, the Letter, Ma the Letter Machine Rescue Team. This is really, really young stuff. Uh, it seems to be of interest. 
it deals with you know words and how to deal with kind of quizzes and numbers and concepts like you know big and little and uh, you know how you put letters together and, and, and my daughter's not quite old enough to really uh, uh, absorb a lot of this they recommend it for four to seven years but I enjoyed watching it uh, I learned a few things about consonants did you know that did I know you learned? I something? learned a few I, things about consonants. I didn't know that. Thank you for enlightening there me. There you go. I didn't. I. I. You learn new things about consonants all the time. Hellboy animated. I like Hellboy and prefer him in the movies. The animated Hellboy kind of creeps me out a little bit. I don't know why. This is a couple of feature-length stories on Hellboy, celebrating the 20 years of Hellboy. This is a Blu-ray set. Uh, it includes Sword of Storms and Blood and Iron. And uh, I've heard from Hellboy fanatics that the animated Hellboy is quite faithful to the comic, in many respects more faithful than the uh, Del Toro films. Uh, fair enough, uh, but not really my, uh, my cup of tea. So uh, Ron Perlman, of course, who plays Hellboy in the movies, does the voice here. So you, you do have some continuity, and it's nice to have uh, John Hurt and Selma Blair along for the, uh, for the ride. And, of course, Del Toro does have a, uh, a producing credit on this. I just don't know how involved he is. It might be a contractual thing. Uh, we've also got uh, The New Adventures of Superman. These, uh, this is all part of the uh, 75th anniversary of Superman. This is a couple of discs, 32 episodes. And uh, these are the, uh, the classic New Adventures of Superman uh, animated uh, episodes. And they were good back then, and they're, they're good now. Um, these, this is seasons two and three. And uh, it's all, you know, fairly routine stuff. If you, if you watched this growing up like I did, you're, you're, it's nothing new. You got Luther and Brainiac and, you know, all the usual... Uh, Steve. Yes, exactly. Uh, Steve the supervillain? Mr. Mist and, you know... Oh, uh, Mr. Mixoplex? Yeah, Japanese Sandman. It, I mean, you know, and, and the nice thing is that it's late, when you get into season three, they start doing these things as like two-parters. So there is there's a little bit more of a kind of serialized nature to it. So that's fun. Uh, Axel, the biggest little hero, is interesting. I, this was surprisingly enjoyable. This is from Arc Entertainment, and I'm always suspicious when I see a straight-to-video animated uh, thing. I'm like, oh, great. In other words, everybody's kind of you know, trying to do a Bug's Life or uh, you know, Wally, or they're all trying to do some kind of a Pixar thing and kind of find their, their in, and it's all second-tier. This is actually a lot of fun. I've got to say, it's, it's nicely written. It's very cute. And uh, you always have to wonder, what are you, you know, what, what animals are they going to, you know, I mean, like, what was the one with the snail recently? What was that thing oh, called? Oh, that was a turbo. Turbo. Ugh, what a waste that was, right? Of course. Silly. Uh, but you know, you know what, who Axel is? Axel, Axel. Axel Foley? No. Axel is the biggest little hero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wiggles. Axel, Axel is a little boy. A really little boy. Not like a Tom Thumb little boy, uh, but he, uh, he's, just a, he's just a little boy who, in, in, how can I kind of compare this? A little bit, I guess there's a Lilo and Stitch angle to it. I like I, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, it's if cute. you like, let me, so I'll put it that way. I'll say, if you like Lilo and Stitch, if you, Lilo and Stitch you will like this. And uh, it, it's got a lot of really, it's, got a, it, it's just a wonderful, very creative adventure and uh, I won't tell you how any of this sort of transpires. Let's say if you like Lilo and Stitch and if you like The NeverEnding Story, you will probably like this. So really good voice casting, by the way. Ed Asner, uh, Tim Curry, before he had his stroke, obviously, and Matthew Lillard and George Takei. Makes me very sad that uh, he had a stroke. Why are we still talking about this? No one's ever going to buy this or okay. rent this or think about it ever again. All right, here we go. Uh, Adventures of Chuck and Friends, Top Gear Trucks. Not really into it. My daughter's not a boy, so she's not really into trucks. Uh, Power Rangers Turbo. Like I said, the final 22 episodes, Volume 2. Uh, Saban is now... Saban's releasing uh, movies now. They've got a distribution company. You realize that? And not only that, Very but they're strange. making a Power Rangers big, huge, ten-pole live-action... Uh, but, they're, but they're acquiring, like, real movies. Like, they went to Cannes. I thought they'd be acquiring just, like, crap. There's, like, real movies. It's like, they're, he's serious. Like, Haim Saban, he's really doing the deal. Uh, Curious George, complete seventh season. Um, you know, it's funny. I thought my daughter might be into Curious George. Not so much. Not so much. I think uh, Planet of the Apes might be more her, more her speed. Right? Fla. Good times, right? Gla. It was good times the other night. Mla. Good times, right? What happened? Good apes. The apes even. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yes, absolutely. You know yeah. what? It's, it's good to see a smart, intelligent, thoughtful, deep film directed by your buddy. 
That's right. Uh, Spawn's Power Rangers Mega Force Ultra Defenders. This is just taking the Power Rangers way too far. Everything is just it, it, like too, it's just too much metal and too many glowing lights. It just gets assaultive at a certain point. Uh, Transformers not doing as well in theaters as everybody had thought. I think that's fascinating. We now have Transformers animated, the complete series, which they thought was going to be a big deal in tandem with the movie, and none of it is really any good. Uh, I, the, the 42 episodes here. I'm just not a Transformers man. I got to tell you, I, d- I thought I'd watch this again and maybe kind of get something that I didn't get the first time. Not really, not so much. Uh, but I know people that love this, so uh, somebody's little boy is going to thoroughly enjoy that. Not my daughter. Um, the Great Bear, a big hairy adventure. This uh, gets that Dove seal of approval because it is totally innocuous and kind of boring. Uh, this is from Vertical. Um, again, I'm sure somebody's kid is going to thoroughly enjoy this uh, kind of, you know, uh, very nature-oriented, very innocuous and, and tame adventure, uh, you know, family movie. But I just, you know, didn't connect with it, and neither did my daughter. Uh, the Wheels on the Bus, A Day at the Farm, skews very, very, very young. The only thing that makes this interesting is Roger Daltrey does the voice of the dragon in this thing. And, uh, but, man, this is like almost too, even too young for my daughter. I, I felt like I was, I was, it's just, I was like, no, no, this is going to, this is way, this is for infants. This is for kids that are still in the womb. I uh, got some Rugrats titles here from uh, Nickelodeon, Rugrats Outdoor Shenanigans and Rugrats Reptar Returns. Uh, I, I've never been a Rugrats fan. A friend of mine was an animator on the show. Uh, I, it's got a following. I know the movies did well, uh, but it's creepy animation to me. And as anybody knows how I feel about Adventure Time, even if it's well-written, creepy animation freaks me out. Dora's Magical Sleepover. I, uh, we insist that our daughter not watch anything involving Dora just because the, uh, the Robert Smigel uh, bit from Saturday Night Live is so much funnier. The Smigel, the Smigel Dora spoof. You remember that? Uh, you, look, anything with Robert Smigel's yeah. name on it, it's great. Winner. But anyway, Dora's In magic. fact, on Netflix, they had, uh, I streamed the best of Triumph, the insult comic dog. Oh, my gosh. That's It brilliant. is so funny. Every second, I think, is funny. How does he do it, Wade? I don't know. How does he do it? Smigel's He's so a funny. machine. He's a machine. The ambiguously gay duo. It's brilliant. Funny. Oh my gosh, especially the live action stuff. When they start doing that live action with John Hamm, how great was that? Oh, it's the best. Oh, that was it's so always awesome. the best. With Jimmy Fallon and John Hamm, that was yep. great. Uh, PBS Kids got three titles. I like the PBS Kids stuff. Uh, I just do. It's just it's it. It may not be the best animated, but it's really well thought out, and they always they do it with a, with a, an eye toward the kids, and I just really appreciate that. Uh, Word Girl Monkey Business, which has uh, four adventures and uh, Wild Kratts Tiny Trouble. And then uh, Dinosaur Train Adventure Camp. All three of those uh, have been kind of running on a loop in our house, and they, they're wonderful. And they, they've got, you know, uh, all kinds of interactive uh, extras on them, games and little coloring things. I, I think it's just it's wonderful. I, the PBS Kids stuff, first rate. I have nothing bad to say about it. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're doing a new, new movie, of course, and they're always pumping this thing as a franchise, hoping that they can get it to stick in every conceivable way. So Nickelodeon has uh, The Good, The Bad, and Casey Jones. Dreadful. A bunch of episodes on here that just did absolutely nothing for me. Uh, We've got The Legend of Korra, Book 2, Spirits, also from Nickelodeon. Skews a little bit older, much more kind of anime-influenced in this um, wonderful mythological uh, adventure that's really aimed more at teenagers. This is a, a Blu-ray, of course, because when you get older, you you skew to uh, you skew to the teenagers with Blu-ray because uh, they want the best, the, the, the all that stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, so you know that's uh, it is what it is. Uh, Wings Sky Force Heroes is uh, worth it only. This is a Walmart exclusive only because it's got some good voice casting, which includes Tom Skerritt and Hilary Duff and Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider, always unmistakable. Uh, last couple is Sesame Street Monster Manners. Uh, anything to do with Cookie Monster is always fun. And uh, my daughter loves cookies. And there's some great guests on here, including Mark Ruffalo and Henry Cavill. Uh, Henry Cavill, by the way, better on Sesame Street than he is in Superman. Just by the way, in uh, watching Mark Ruffalo on Letterman, yep. I learned something very important. Yes. It is Ruffalo rhymes with Buffalo. Not Mark Ruffalo 
I've never Mark called Ruffalo. him Ruffalo. How about Ruffalo? I always called him Mark Ruffalo. Well, because you're you're smarter than most of us. Well, no, I just, just, just you well, you're, pronounce you're it how smarter it's smarter than most of us. You just pr- pronounce it how it's spelled. Damn it. Uh, and then Monster High, a Blu-ray, DVD, and ultraviolet combo set. Uh, the Monster High things, I, I've always thought, are kind of really forcing it. Uh, you know, they're not Tim. It's like not Tim Burton-y enough, but still too creepy. But whatever, Universal makes a bundle off of these things, so we get a double feature of Fright On and Escape from Skull Shores. If that floats your boat. A way to Lane Stritch Shoot Me is a delightful documentary on the uh, Broadway uh, legend. She's won a Tony. She's won an Emmy. She's great. She's interviewed. Uh, she, you get a lot of great people talking about her, including uh, the late James Gandolfini. And uh, it's great. Cherry Jones, Nathan Lane, Tina Fey, John Turturro, Alec Baldwin. They all talk about Elaine. She's had a great life. She's in her late 80s now, but she's still awesomely cool. She has great personality. Um, you know, I think she's great. She's, she's, it's a, it, here's the thing. It's a terrific documentary about a woman you've probably never heard of, but when you see her spirit and you learn about her career and how long-lasting it has been, you'll really be impressed with Elaine Stritch. She's a great lady. Yep. Uh, for the makers of Planet Earth on Blu-ray, we have um, Hidden Kingdoms. This is narrated by Stephen Fry. And you know what? It's cool. It's got a lot of great photography, which will, uh, which the Blu-ray completely exploits. There's, uh, you know, thing is that like it's all about like these little. Some of it is about these little tiny insects and weird little little things that live in the jungles, and they get these cameras in there to take a look at them in super close up, and it's really amazing. The animal kingdom is just nonstop, never-ending fascination. So uh, Hidden Kingdoms is good, especially for, for the small fry. It's good stuff. Six by Sondheim. Now, this is directed by James uh, Lapine, or Lapine, possibly. Yeah, Lapine is what I've always said. That's what I figured. And uh, it is a look at uh, Stephen Sondheim. I mean, come on. Stephen Sondheim, one of the legendary composers. Who, who Lapine knows time. well. Who Lapine knows well. So he's got a little uh, inside track. Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George, Company. I mean, he is just, Sondheim is it. Yep. I mean, he is, he is Broadway musicals. I've grown up with Sondheim. I love the man. So this is just terrific. It's just a great documentary by a guy who, as Wade says, knows him, loves him, and really gives his life a great accounting. It's all about his life, the creative process, why he is who he is. So Six by Sondheim uh, could not be more highly recommended. We also have um, Swarms. Now, this is from PBS. Now, I'd say these, some of these PBS nature documentaries... They mm-hmm. will pick like one thing. I know. Like crawl. Yeah. It'll be all about like animals and insects who crawl. And that's all it'll be. Here we have swarms. This is all about bats and butterflies who happen to swarm. And, but some of this is pretty cool because not only do they get into butterflies and bees and bats and locusts and ants and whatnot, they even get into the, uh, the cicada swarms. You know, every 17 years the cicada mm-hmm. eggs hatch and they all fly around like, woo, yay, we're alive after 17 years. Eh. So this gets into that. Creepy. So it's really fast. Don't it, want to go there. It's a little, it's a little, it is a little creepy. Um, also, it does get into um, uh, the mayfly swarms on the 4th of July, which of course uh, the holiday just passed. So good stuff. Swarms, interesting. Mm-hmm. A little weird, a little creepy. Anita, um, Anita Hill uh, played a very important role in American politics uh, a long time ago. Man, that was, I, that, that's just amazing to me how long ago. That, that's, that's been, what, 30 years? It's crazy, crazy, man. Crazy. But, you know, but here you had, again, it was a different time. So here you had an African-American woman who was testifying before the Clarence Thomas uh, confirmation hearings. And she was an African-American testifying in the confirmation hearing of another African-American and it got very heated with accusations of, of sexual misconduct and whatnot. Yeah. And Anita, speaking truth to power, is all about that process and her life. It is highly recommended. It is a very interesting little nugget of American history that deals with uh, not only race, but really more than race, gender. And uh, it's great. Anita, she created a firestorm in, in uh, Washington Parts of it still kind of resonates today, at, at least in the workplace, if not in Washington. Yep. So, Anita, speaking truth to power, good stuff. And I've got a doc pick here. This is one of three films this week that I, I make my pick of the week. It's, it's three films this week. All together, they're the pick of the week. I'm not going to recommend any one of them over any of the others. I think everybody should watch all three of these. 
Um, Mark, if I told you, and everyone's going to know where I'm going with this, because if, if this doesn't automatically just blow this, you, 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 you don't know your movie history. If I told you there was almost a movie that had Mick Jagger, Salvador Dali, Orson Welles, and David Carradine, uh, and, a, and, and a score by Pink Floyd, what would you say? I would say, I want to see Dune. <laughs> that was almost Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, you know, Jodorowsky, the mad Chilean, uh, has made a career out of making basically just psychotically surreal movies. The, the, you know, El Topo and all the rest of the stuff that he does, which are not my favorite films. They, they're just, they, they sort of tickle your brain for about five minutes, and then you go, I don't know what any of this means, and I'm bored, and you go do something else. But I'll tell you, after watching this thing, my thought was, I want to see that movie. And I'm really, oh, my I'm, God. I'm, Can you imagine? I'm really sad that that never happened because it really is truly the greatest movie never made. It, it would have just been a complete and total post-psychedelic uh, mind F. It just would have been from Mars. Okay, if you had a choice. Yeah. The, here's a question that you're going to go, ooh. You ready? Yeah. Which never made movie would you rather see? Jodorowsky's Dune. Napoleon. God damn it. <laughs> I hate you. No, there's not even a question. Please. Uh, but this would have been awfully great, too. This would have been just a lot of fun. I mean, the design is here, the work. And or, he, how about this? He's still up and kicking. You know, he just made a new movie. He's about his 85 childhood, years which, old. Which is terrible. His new movie was horrible. Okay. But, but this is really, seeing him just go loopy and, and ape on this is really fun. I have another one. Hmm. Would you rather see? This okay. one you will not guess. Impossible. Okay. Would you rather see Jodorowsky's Dune? Or the Star Trek IV that was supposed to star Eddie Murphy. Remember when Eddie Murphy was going to be in Star Trek IV? Why would I have had... I hate the Star Trek IV that we got. Then maybe you'd rather see, maybe you'd rather see the Star oh. Trek IV that briefly, oh, yes. where briefly Eddie Murphy was attached. Yeah, sure. That would be, that would be much better. Why, why would... Yeah, that would have really improved it. I Eddie, Eddie Murphy and... Uh, not, Catherine Hicks and Wales isn't enough. And, and uh, you know, Scotty faking typing. No, no, it's got to be... Yeah, sure. Everyone, everyone remember where we, where we parked. Give me a break. Computer. Whatever. The best. Now, this is a Blu-ray DVD combo set. Jodorowsky's Dune. You got to check it out. This thing made the festival tour last year. Everyone loved it. It has no detractors. It is just wicked awesome. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely wicked awesome movie. Wait, a couple more documentaries. We yep. have uh, Maiden Trip. Now, this is the story of a 14-year-old girl who set out to um, uh, Th sail around the world. It's an amazing story. By herself. It's a really amazing story. It was, was going to be two years. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And, and, and a really good doc, by the way. That, that's, that's really worth checking out. Uh, directed by uh, Julian Schlesinger. Now, yeah. I'm not going to tell you whether um, Laura Decker made it or not, because uh, that's no fun. But you know what? It's a beautiful documentary. She got eaten by it's, a seagull. Huh? She got eaten by a seagull. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, the doc is inspiring. Uh, it's especially inspiring to teens. You know, it really shows teens that they can do whatever they want at a, at a crucial moment in their life. Um, and so it's lyrical and it's beautifully shot and it's got, a great, it's got a great score. And it's just really inspiring to see what this girl did or didn't do. I'm not going to tell you, Wade. Yep. I don't want to ruin it. It's fine. Maybe she made it. Destroy it. Beautifully. Sure. Maybe she didn't make it. Got tragically. Eat, got eaten by a seagull. But how about the guys from Half the Road, The Passions, Pitfalls, and Power of Women's Professional Cycling? Is the pitfall the fact that they also get eaten by seagulls? Yes. Now, do they get eaten by seagulls or do they get eaten by George Seagull? <laughs> do they get eaten by George Seagull? That was good. <laughs> you kind of caught me. You sort of winged me with that one. See, because you, you, you didn't yeah. know where I was going. No, I didn't. That was good. Anyway, well Catherine uh, Bertine, uh, you know, she's the director of this film. She makes a very solid argument for um, the fact that there is a difference between the way women's cycling and men's cycling are perceived. True. I mean, look at, uh, I mean, does anybody even care about, uh, look, Tour de France? I am, I'm married to a cyclist, and I know all about this. Do women, is, is, is there even a Tour de France for women? Is there even a women's? There are. There is a women's tour. Nobody that, knows. But it's not a Tour de France. There are, there are separate. Nobody knows. But I know. That's the thing. No one's aware of it. My, I mean, my wife follows them, but uh, they are very different. So if you want to know all about that stuff, Half the Road yeah. is, an, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, uh, as documentaries go, it's more a passion project than it is like a beautifully rendered and shot and scored documentary. But uh, it takes a little known, um, really a little known shame of cycling and kind of brings it to light. So it's good. It's called Half the Road. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about some new movies uh, here. One of them is Hunting the Legend. So this is what this is. This is kind of a hackneyed knockoff Blair Witch Project movie. Uh, about hunting Bigfoot. 
and uh, it's uh, it's low budget and it's cheesy, but it's sort of engaging because I, I confess anything to do with Bigfoot, I, I'm willing to watch. I just I love anything. Why do, to do people with Bigfoot. still think there's a Bigfoot? I don't understand. Because there is. That's why. But but the thing is that like look, people have been thinking about Bigfoot and thinking he exists for like hundreds of years. So so either either he's immortal or he's been having Bigfoot babies. He's been having Bigfoot babies. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't have it both ways. Well, you know, there's an abominable snowman, too. You know that, right? Uh, so either the abominable snowman is immortal, yeah. or there's a whole family of abominable snow people living in the living well, in the, the Yeti, somewhere. The, don't you know this? Didn't you take anthropology? The Yeti and the Sasquatch are like the, the related species. Yeah, I remember this from school. And you know where they all... You we know studied what, this. Do you know what the common ancestor is of those two? Hmm. The Mugatu. <laughs> <laughs> you know that? See, how do you not know that was coming? I didn't. It's pretty great. Because anyway, Mugatu, so, he bites Captain Kirk on the neck. Yeah, I know. It's the dies. guy in the suit who looks like the monkey from the, the, the <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yes. Okay. So uh, anyway, there, there's that thing. And then here, I'm going to, this is, this is my other, this is number two of my three picks of the week. I love this movie. I love everything about this movie. This is an awesome Awesome movie. You are going to lend me this movie. I didn't see it. Everybody has got to see. You didn't say yes to that. Oh my gosh! Everybody's got to see. Lend me this movie. Everybody's got to see Bad you, Words. You're not saying yes to that. I, 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 we'll talk after the show. I want you to see this movie. Bad Words is awesome. It is just unbelievably awesome. Okay, I'm uh, going on Netflix right now because I can tell you're not going to lend it to me. Jason Bateman. Uh, this is his directing debut. He he uh, he nails it with this thing, man. He absolutely does. This is a fantastic film. It is a sharp, sharp script. Uh, Jason Bateman stars in it. No one else could possibly have played this part the way that he does, and he directs it beautifully. I mean, it is really beautifully directed. The idea is very, very simple. Um, there's, the, it, it, there's this angry dude, and right at the beginning of the film, he, uh, he shows up at a, at, a, at a kid's spelling bee, and he underlines all of the... He makes his case as to why he f- qualifies under the rules to be able to compete in the spelling bee. Never finished high school, yada, 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 yada. There's all these rules, and he found every loophole in the book, and they can't keep him out of the spelling bee. So suddenly he is this angry, profane, foul, sarcastic, bitter, mean dude who is threatening to ruin the kid's spelling bee. Not only that, he's amazing at it. I mean, he knows every word. And spelling bees are not for slouches. It's not like, oh, cute, these kids know these little words. Like, these, the kids in spelling bees know words that no human being on the planet should know. They will never be used in any sentence anywhere ever again other than in a spelling bee. And he knows them all. It's unbelievable. Um, and the, where this movie goes, you don't know where it's going. It is fantastic. And it is so stylish. And it is just so funny and yet so meaningful. I cannot say enough about this movie. It is awesome. Totally awesome all the way through and through. Uh, commentary with Jason Bateman is wonderful. I, it just, it's fantastic. Deleted and extended scenes and a featurette. Uh, this is a must-see. You don't just want to see this. You want to have it. You want to have it on your shelf because you're going to want to show it to friends so that they actually know that this movie exists. Bad Words is awesome. All right, Wade, so uh, Bad Words is now number four in my Netflix queue. Sweet. Uh, now, I have two. Next, okay, next in my Netflix queue, mm-hmm. I'm going to rewatch Clute. Yep. All right? Yeah. And then after that, I'm going to rewatch Cabaret. Oh, is Cabaret on Netflix? Yeah. You know, I don't have Cabaret on Blu-ray, and I keep meaning to do it, and if it's on Netflix, damn it, I'm going to put that in my queue as well. First of all, it's pronounced Cabaret. Okay. <laughs> then I have Memories of Murder. Okay. The uh, Junho Bong film. Yeah. Because I had actually never seen it, and we all know how much I, I love yeah. Snowpiercer. Yeah. Then I've got Wild Strawberries. I got the trip in my Netflix queue. I'm going to watch the original trip. I'm going to watch that again because the, the trip to Italy is coming out soon. What? The trip. You, are you going to Italy? No. The, the, mo- the, the movie, The Trip. Oh. With Steve Coogan. Wait, what's, what's, the, what's the trip to Italy? It's the what? sequel to The Trip. Really? They go to Italy. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's the, 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 the invites just got... Did you not... Oh, I'm going to have to forward it to you. I'm going to do that right now. Wait, talk, wait, talk, you, talk about you, that piece wait, of crap you, and I'll forward you the... Wait, wait, you got a... Yeah. Wait, you got an email... You, you got an invite to the tri- trip to Italy? Yeah. See, I, I don't understand. Oh, uh, let's see there. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Lars von Trier like most of the world. I hate these movies. I, honestly, I kid you not. Because I, I, remember I got the streaming links to these things when they came out and I was like, all right, let's... Uh, 
Let's give it a look. I did the 25 minutes. I was like, you know what? I this is now. I remember why I so thoroughly loathe Von Trier when he starts doing this. I'm well, done. what's interesting? Does is this that actually go anywhere useful? Like, what it, it, did I did I miss the good stuff? Like, does it just after 25 minutes does it just become? Oh my gosh, this is so great. Well, why couldn't the first 25 minutes have not been just complete and total human excrement? What's What's interesting? Like, like do the last three and a half hours redeem it? <laughs> yes, they. Or do. is it just pretty much the same bunch of crap? If you don't, if you don't like. Von Trier to begin with, you, you're not going to like him based on this. What I, what I, you know, God, this guy's so aggravating sometimes. Here's the thing, though. You assume, because it's called Infomaniac, and the one sheet is a bunch of famous people orgasming, and it's not rated, which means it's just nothing but just like sex upon sex. It's not even Shia LaBeouf. Like, even minus Shia LaBeouf, I'm sure I would just, I would hate the hell out of it. It's just... You just assume this movie is going to be nothing but just like just a ridiculous, just gigantic porn film mm-hmm. it's actually not no. it's funny it's playful oh really you think it's funny I, yeah, at moments great. it's funny okay. it's playful it's got stuff to say about interpersonal relationships and self-satisfaction not just the self-satisfaction blah 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 but like actual emotional satisfaction and it you know it it's interested in gender roles and religion and lust and obsessive behavior I mean there's a lot of stuff going on Unfortunately, it all gets filtered through Von Trier's very unique sensibility, which turns a lot of people off, but there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's actually, it's a little bit of a, a tease, if I may say. Uh, the easy way out to say, I'm not going to watch Newfoundland because it just seems too sexual. It's almost like Blue is the Warmest Color, where you go, oh, it's a lesbian movie. I want to watch the lesbian movie. But actually, it's a lot more than that. And... Although I do like Blue is the Warmest Color more than Infomaniac, I just think you have to give the movie some credit for being fascinating and engaging and uh, truthful and thoughtful, and it's really not what you think it is. So I would recommend Nymphomaniac, Volume 1 and 2, which is now on Blu-ray. Don't worry about Shia LaBeouf. You'll, you'll survive. Although I will say this, I'm looking forward to uh, Fury, which he is in. Yeah, but he's just, it's like an ensemble thing. I know, he's hardly in it. Thank goodness. At least I'm hoping. At least I'm hoping. Man. So there you go. What, what are you looking up? Hmm? I, you I, looking I just up? forwarded you the uh, trip to Italy invite. You know, that really sucks that I didn't yeah. get that. Yeah, well, it came yesterday, so. Really? Yeah. Uh, Stage Fright is a movie you should pass on. It's kind of a Rocky Horror-type musical comedy about this teenage girl who wants to uh, be a Broadway star like her mother was. The mother is played by Minnie Driver. Poor Minnie Driver. This girl cannot get work. Um, anyway, so <laughs> this movie is terrible. I, I, I wind up skimming it because it's just so bad. Because the father is played by Meatloaf. So basically, let's just say that Meatloaf and Minnie Driver had a child. And the child wants to be an actor on Broadway. And uh, there you go. So, you know, she winds up at some performing arts camp and she does all sorts of crazy stuff and is a homicidal mass killer and it's just ridiculous. Just really stupid. I mean, Mini Driver, even Meatloaf deserves better than this. So, it's gory, I guess. It's a little bit cheesy because it kind of wants to tap into that kind of poppy glee thing. Yep. But in the end, it's just not good stage fright. There's also a Lake Placid with a very interesting cast, if this were 1992, <laughs> Bill Pullman, Bridget Fonda, and Oliver Platt star in Lake Placid. And uh, although Brendan Gleeson is also in this. And uh, there you go. It's about this, 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 this team of uh, investigators. They take all their high-tech equipment, and they go to uh, Lake Placid to defeat this gigantic 30-foot prehistoric crocodile. And it is just really cheesy stuff. I will say this, directed by Steve Miner, who's a veteran of these veteran, sorts of films. Yeah, music. One of the best things about the film. Miner did like did did, did, did one my, of the Friday the Thirteenth. The original Friday the Thirteenth, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And the movie had much better music than I had, would ever give it credit for, and I wondered why that was. And I looked at the credit bed. Music, John Ottman. Ah, uh, there well, you I go. like a lot. Yeah, he's a good composer. He anyway, is. It's, 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 Lake Placid just silliness. All right, so we got a movie here called The Odd Way Home, and this is what this is. Somebody was able to get a tax credit out of New Mexico, and they had a script that was kind of a knockoff of Rain Man, and they said, uh, can we get uh, Demi Moore to do this? Because it's about like a woman and an autistic dude, and if we get Demi Moore, maybe we can get Dustin Hoffman or somebody like Hoffman to sort of... They're like, no, but we, we can get Rumor Willis. 
They're like, okay, we'll do it. So anyway, uh, you get this guy named Chris Marquette uh, playing the autistic dude, Rumor Willis, basically trying to show that she can be an actor like her parents, and uh, Veronica Cartwright shows up, and it's not very good. Oh, Veronica from Alien. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, you know, it's not terrible, but it's just you watch it, and you're like, this is just a cheap knockoff of Rain Man that was shot in New Mexico because they got a tax credit. By the way, I, you I wish realize, it were otherwise. I, I, it seemed cutish. But you realize really. I'm going to New Mexico in a couple of weeks. I know you are. By the way, I've been to Santa Fe. Yeah. Boring. I know. I'm going for one reason, to see family. We got a Walmart exclusive called Doc Holliday's Revenge, starring uh, Tom Berenger and Eric Roberts. And uh, that tells you all you need to know, right? Right? Yeah, I don't want to see it. <laughs> it's, it's really cheesy. Uh, but there it is. Uh, it's, kind of, it's actually kind of funny. i I got to tell you, a Western with Tom Berenger and Eric Roberts, just it, it's, it's cheesy. Yeah, but see, but the, the, the thing is that, you know, Doc Holliday died in his mid-30s. Yeah. And Tom Berenger is what, how old now at this I, point? Yeah. Like in his 60s? Yeah, it's, it's stupid. Uh, so uh, here we go. You ready for this? This is this is the kind of movie that Walt Disney probably passed on during the uh, the the uh, computer war tennis shoes period. Uh, dude, where's my dog? Dude, where's my car? <laughs> dude, <laughs> doggy, look at the doggy undercover. Dude, where's my dog? Is a movie about an invisible dog. I love it. Let me see it. Uh, I'm all over it. I'm, I'm all over it. Look, Chris, look at the dog on the cover. Kevin Farley, who is Chris Farley's brother, who looks just like him, is the only name in this thing, and it's just it's 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 kind of. Uh, aggressively stupid and yet charming in some strange, odd, unusual way. With music by John Ottman. No, no, no John Ottman here. And uh, then there's an interesting movie called Ragamuffin. Um, Ragamuffin is, uh, this is, this is for the faith-based crowd, but it's not, um, it's not as kind of fluffy and easy as the, uh, the usual faith-based movie. This thing has a real edge to it. And uh, it is all about this guy, Rich Mullins, who I, of course, never really heard of because I don't keep up with Christian rock or anything, uh, or Christian folk. But he was uh, apparently some kind of musical prodigy and uh, who wound up sort of throwing his whole life away and living on an Indian reservation. And it's, a, it's a really a fascinating true story. And uh, it doesn't sort of rise to all those kind of maudlin cliches that a lot of these uh, attempts at faith-based cinema do. It is long. It is dense. It's you know, almost two and a half hours long. And it goes into all of the warts and all look at this guy's life and all, the, all of his uh, peccadilloes and his, his obsessions and his addictions. And it's, uh, it, it's really uh, it's a surprisingly sharp movie. This is on Blu-ray. And um, uh, it certainly makes you want to learn a little bit more about the real guy, uh, Rich Mullins. The movie is called Ragamuffin, and it is directed by David Leo Schultz, who does a very, very, a really solid job here. Also was the co-writer of the thing. So um, anyway, uh, Dave Mullins, who is, uh, I guess, his son, was one of the producers on this thing. And uh, what makes it a little more impressive is because you would think the family is like, oh, well, we'll sort of, you know, make it uh, very, very whitewashed. But they don't. They, they sort of say, let, let it all hang out. And that's to their credit. So uh, that's a sharp, uh, surprising discovery. Uh, Wade, speaking of a sharp, yeah. surprising discovery... Um, I would like to see a movie about this character, but instead we have a fictional film called Kid Cannabis. This is all about, um, this is based on a true story of this Idaho teen who builds a multi-million dollar marijuana ring. Oh my goodness. That winds up trafficking drugs through the woods this sounds in like Canada. That, this sounds like, uh, like Breaking Bad or some damn thing. Well, yeah. With, with, uh, the, the, the great thing about the movie is that it is like Breaking Bad. If Breaking Bad was a nerdy teenager... Mm-hmm. who somehow becomes a marijuana kingpin in Idaho and thinks he's like the bee's knees and thinks he can trust underworld figures and thinks he's the king of the world. Right. So basically, it's about this kid who winds up stumbling into a multi-million dollar marijuana ring and becomes like the king of everything. But of course, once, you know, once the real world encroaches and you are dealing with really bad people, Yoinks. he's over his head. Yoinks. But it's based on a true story. But the thing is that the way the movie is told, the way it's told visually by uh, director whose name I can't remember, oh, by John Stockwell. Yeah. Now, John who's Stockwell. Who's a good director. Who's a good director. Now, he hasn't had a hit in a long, long time. Yeah. And I don't know if he's, he's I mean, Cat, uh, Cat Run was terrible. Um, Steel Team 6 wasn't bad. Mm-mm. 
but really, the only thing he ever did that anyone ever saw was uh, either Blue Crush or Crazy Beautiful. Otherwise, he's really been nowhere. But this might be an interesting return to form. For, I mean, this is a return to form for him that I'm hoping gets him some added attention. So Kid Cannabis, energetic, fun, a little bit silly, a great story. The kid is the, the kid is uh, really well the kid what's the kid's name uh, John, uh Jonathan Daniel Brown plays the kid he's very good Ron Perlman's in it too he's always priceless so uh it's a fun little movie yeah. kid cannabis recommended totally all right i'm down with you uh mark i'm going to talk about some uh some pretty heavy asian type stuff right now some some actiony asiany stuff and then one really cool uh foreign language film actually i might make, make mention of another foreign language film but uh, primarily the Asian stuff I want to make mention of right now. And I want to start with this mad-ass, crazy-cracker SOB of a movie, The Raid 2. Uh, Gareth Evans just absolutely uh, he pulled out the stopper on this one. I mean, The Raid was a cool movie. The Raid 2 is just relentless, and it is insane, and it is over-the-top, and it is glorious in every conceivable way. Um, th- this is not just a kind of let's scale the tower gimmick. This is not you know Game of Death uh, warmed over or Judge Dread or Judge which, Dread which, which ripped it was, off. Yeah. No, this this is much more elaborate, much longer, more Scarfacey, more you know it gets into a it's a it's a much more expansive story. I don't even care uh, the whole the whole kind of you know corruption task force. Thing and undercovery stuff, all the junk that goes on in this story, I don't even care. It is just bone-crushing madness. I could have just had, gone without a story. Just give me like two and a half hours of people just mauling each other. I am happy. I am thrilled. This thing is really sweet. So um, check it out. The Raid 2, man. It is, it is just unbelievably relentless and cool. And I'm going to tell you, Gareth Evans, man, He's going to get some interesting work out of this now. I mean, if it wasn't clear to everybody that this guy has a totally unique vision, uh, I, I, I think it, it should be very clear now. He's also uh, changed a bit with his name. He's, got a, he's going by a middle name now. Gareth Who Evans. H-U-W. I bet he's doing that to give him some credibility with the Asian crowd. I bet so, too. Doesn't need to, man. He's got all the credibility he needs. Seriously, it's just that is that is just a, a crazy mad movie. That's my number three film on the uh, the pick of the week thing. So, the the Jodorowsky Raid Two. I see you, Jodorowsky Raid Two, and uh, Bad Words, man. They're all uh, they're all sweet. Uh, Rigor Mortis is uh, by the director Juno Mack, and uh, this is presented by Takashi Shimizu. Uh, it's called Rigor Mortis, and. Um, it's a little insane. Uh, it, it means to be kind of one of those J-horror uh, type deals. At least it is in some way descended from J-horror, even though it is, uh, it's a Chinese film produced by a Japanese horror director that seems to also have a little bit of a pedigree with Chinese horror. I, I think if you're a fan of either really cool kind of Chinese ghost movies, not necessarily the hopping vampire stuff of the of the 80s, but more the, the kind of the, not even Chinese ghost story, but there's a, there's a really kind of a creepy, creepy Chinese category three ghost story thing that intersects a little bit with J-horror. This is kind of in that, in that vein. Uh, a little too brutal for me, but stylish, cool, worth checking out for fans of the genre. And then the, uh, the other one here uh, from the Asian end is from Palisades Tartan, who's now being distributed through Kino. So we are getting uh, stuff like the Ultimate Revenge Edition of Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which is part of the Old Boy trilogy. And um, not, none of these movies are as good as Old Boy, but uh, Park Chan-ook, spelled Park Chan-wook, but pronounced Park Chan-ook, uh, is always worth checking out. So uh, this is on Blu-ray, and uh, I would recommend getting the whole trilogy in the one set, but this is perfectly fine. Which I have. It comes in like a little tin. Very nice. By the way, the yes. other night, I had never seen it because I refused to, but I yep. watched it the other night. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee's Old Boy remake. So bad. Are you kidding me? What the hell was up with that? I know. How do you bonk that? You know what's funny is that it's a movie that has so much... How could a movie with so much twisted stuff in it seem so perfunctory and academic? That's totally it. There's just nothing nothing shocking about it. 
No, I, I, and, but the thing is that what happens in the movie is shocking, but yeah. somehow the way he he cares so little about this material, I know that he just oh look he just had sex with his own daughter. Well, whatever. Here, yeah, go roll, action cut. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't turn the screws. No, not at all. It's really upsetting. I mean, there is there there is a very long there is a much longer cut of the film. It doesn't matter. I can I can tell that, he's more interested in shooting those violent fights in one take than he is in actually turning the screws in the audience. He's, he's much more interested in kind of playing with technique. I think Spike was just bored with the project and thought it would be interesting to try a few things. Well, does, there's, no, there's no attachment to the, to the material no. at all. But anyway, this is a, this is a Blu-ray. Uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Park Chan-ook, and it's got some good stuff. There's an audio commentary with the director and uh, the actor, Ryu Sung-won, and a bunch of featurettes and uh, some soundtrack stuff and storyboards. And, uh, you know, again, get the trilogy if you can, but otherwise. And then uh, from Raro Video, also distributed through Kino, uh, we now have the long overdue Blu-ray edition of Michelangelo Antonioni's film Evinti, otherwise known as The Vanquished. Uh, this is a great movie. It is, uh, it, is a, it is a narratively challenging, very, very difficult script, beautifully directed. Uh, this is completely uncut. Uh, the original version that was shown originally at the Venice Film Festival, and uh, it is—it's just brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, it is—it is a tough film. Uh, it deals with uh, three different murders, and uh, they all take place in different cities. And it is a, a so, it is social commentary to the nth degree. But it is just uh, uh, really an extraordinary piece of filmmaking, and one of Antonioni's best films. Finally out on Blu-ray, long overdue, beautiful, beautiful photography that just shimmers. When you put that in the Blu-ray player, you will not be disappointed. Uh, Mark, uh, we're going to get into some uh, music here momentarily, but I want to go through some listener mail first. Do it. How about that? I like it. Shall I do that? I believe you should. All right, let me do that. Um, from Chevelle Dixon, every year the WGA announced their nominees and what they disqualify, but I always wondered why they disqualify scripts from animated films. Is it because they're animated? Uh, because they're animated, or uh, uh, why they don't think they deserve a nomination, or is it something else? Keep up the good work. Thoughts? Well, I, I don't know if there's an institutional bias against animated scripts. I think that there's a bias that they figure they're not as. Well, I think because they figure animated films are their own thing, and they're going to get honored by their own category and their own people, right. and you know we want to focus on the live action stuff. Right, but the thing, the funny thing is that like all those Pixar scripts, they are meticulously crafted. They are. They really are. I mean, there's like yeah. not a drop of no. There's no fat, fat there in those movies. Mm -mm, they're that, great. That does mean them, that does mean they're great scripts. It just means. But that some of them are great. I mean, oh, Toy yeah. Story Two is a tremendous script. Wall-E is a tremendous script. I mean, those are those are really well written movies. But I, I I do think that there's that the Academy looks at those movies and thinks, yeah, but they're animated. I know there is there is, um, so there probably is. But uh, normally, when they disqualify something, the only reason it's disqualified is because the the writers are not WGA members. Like that's why they never put Tarantino never gets nominated because he won't join the WGA. So anyway. Uh, then we got uh, an email from Chris who says, I have been debating on whether or not to buy a region-free Blu-ray player. Uh, I'm a fan of the horror genre, and it seems Region 2 has better releases than one we, what we get here. And he you know, threw me a few links and said, will any of these releases see, uh, be released here or upgraded releases? Should I just buy a region-free player and purchase the Region 2 versions? Uh, and I, will, I said to him exactly what I will say to everybody else. Go to uh, Blu-ray.com in the forums and read what people say or go to 220-electronics.com go to the region free blu-ray section or go to codefreedvd.com that's the that's where you're going to learn the most about codefree machines and uh, what they entail and how much they cost and what the limitations are and you can make up your mind as to whether or not it makes sense for you I know a lot of people who who are all about British sitcoms that will never ever come out here and that's the reason that they go code free it just depends on what you want, what region it's from, and uh, you know how much you're willing to spend. Next one is from Dwayne Arnold, who says, with How to Train Your Dragon 2 coming in a disappointing second place at its opening, what do you think is the future of DreamWorks Animation? Mark. Is it, well, uh, that, that death song has been sung before. It really has, but what do they have in the pipeline? That's the, thing. the thing is, is that 
you know, DreamWorks, they don't, they don't release enough films per year yeah. for them to be able to absorb a stinker. So when something mm-hmm. comes out that either underperforms or bombs, it really affects their quarterly share prices and blah, 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 all that sort of you know yeah. inside baseball stuff. So they have a problem. They really do. I yeah. just think that uh, they either need to hit more home runs or come out with you know less film. Or what they could do is they can get more involved in TV shows. Yep. You know, maybe they can diversify. Instead of rolling the dice that Dragon 2 is going to float all boats at the company, yep. diversify a little bit. Yep. Do some TV, animated TV. There's plenty of animated TV. And they do animated television. But, yes. you know, they, maybe they need to do more. I concur. Uh, and uh, Al in San Francisco says, regarding the matter of Jerry Lewis as a director, I would think that most people would quickly cite as his single crowning achievement, uh, would think that, uh, sorry, would quickly cite his single crowning achievement, The Ladies' Man. One can easily notice in the combination of immense ambitious filmmaking craft and his visual comedic mise-en-scene as his career height. Probably the last of the great lighthearted studio films right at the dawn of Hollywood's 60s nosedive. I never tire of watching TLM for its visual and musical sumptuousness. Uh, what's the likelihood that Martin and Lewis's 1950s TV show, now in public domain, will ever be restored and re-released? Uh, the rec- that recorded period is probably the closest we can now get to experiencing the duo when they were at the height of their artistry, 1940s club performers indulging in improv. I agree, Ladies' Man is a fantastic film, one of his totally underrated movies, and some amazing moments in there, really some great stuff. Uh, as for the TV show, man, that's tough. You know, there's a lot of that great 50s and early 60s television that just nobody wants to release because they don't think there's a market for it. It's going to wind up becoming much more of a streaming novelty. Um, I'm hoping that they that somebody really gives a, a nice restoration to that stuff, but they're going to have to. It's going to have to be somebody with some deep pockets to not only spend the money on the restoration, but also really amp up the marketing and, and get it out there. So, here's hoping. Uh, Eric Altieri, longtime listener, gave us a suggestion for an outro. Mark, binge it, baby. Do you like See, that? See, I, I, I like that, but yeah. I, I talked to Wade about this, mm-hmm. and I, I, we want Wade's baby to say something that would be our outro. I'm working on it. She just needs to say bye bye or anything, or, or you know, okay, or beat me up, Scotty, or uh, something that's movie related that the baby can say. I'll work on it. Now, has the baby said her first word yet? Oh, yeah. She talks all the time. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we need to get her to say something. When she wakes up from her nap, her new thing is she'll, <laughs> she'll like wake up and she'll reach and she'll grab my nose and she'll go, nose, nose. She squeezes my nose. It's okay. hysterical. So it's really funny. It's here's very the cute. thing. No, it's not. So babies. Can't yeah. stand them. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So we'll do Binge It Baby after this show. Yep. But I'm just saying that we're waiting for Wade to just... Working on it. Get his daughter to say something movie-related that will be our outro. Working on it. Working on it. Now, don't wait until she's six. Nope, I sure won't. <laughs> okay, Mark, let's do some music. Music? I like music. B.B. King. Uh, we have The Life of Riley. This is available on um, a DVD and uh, The Blue of the Ray. And this is great. It's narrated by Morgan Freeman and uh, Bono, Eric Clapton, uh, Bruce Willis, Ringo Starr. They're all in it. And uh, it's all about... Um, B.B. King, you know, he's had an amazing life. He was an orphan, and he learned the blues, and he's the king of the blues. And even though he's a bit of a, uh, you know, he's become a bit of an, indus- a bit of an industry mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're a blues man, you want that blues man who, like, lives in a one dilapidated one-bedroom nothing in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And he just sings about how, you know, women did him wrong and his life's miserable. B.B. King is a rich man and a very oh. successful man. So you know he you know he doesn't have that credibility of, of lyrically the credibility. But no, BB King has had just one of the most phenomenal careers. But ever. musically, he yeah. is he is the king. He's the best. Yep. So if you're interested in blues or jazz, I mean uh, jazz, interested in blues, definitely BB King, The Life of Riley. Yeah. Morgan Freeman. Nice. Everything Morgan Freeman narrates is good. Yeah. Because he has a great voice. Totally. Uh, back to front. This is Peter Gabriel, live in London. Now, uh, Peter Gabriel, of course, uh, is was one of the best in the 80s and 90s. Um, his He hasn't really done all that much lately, but he did have a album called So, which included the hits uh, Sledgehammer, 
Red Rain. Man, that was a great album. It was a great album. 1986. It was a great, yeah, great I remember album. That, babe. And uh, all that is represented in Back to Front. This is him live in London. Um, so it's good stuff. He also played some of his earlier hits, including Shock the Monkey. And uh, it's great. Salisbury Hill. Plays Salisbury Hill also. Nice. So Back to Front, Peter Gabriel live in London. Sounds great. Looks great. Uh, it will remind you that back in the day, rock and roll was all about songwriters. Nice. Right? Mm-hmm. Elton John, the Million Dollar Piano. No, Elton John's got a show, and uh, this is him in Vegas, Caesar's Palace. He's got a show in Caesar's Palace in Vegas, and uh, look, you know what? It's great stuff. I've seen him in concert. He's He doesn't run around with the crazy glasses and jump up and down anymore, but you know what? He's still Elton John, man, and if you look at his, if you look at his discography and his list of hits... It goes on and on, and he's not afraid to play the hits. He knows what the fans want to see, and you will get that in the Million Dollar Piano. You get, I mean, everything, Rocket Man and Benny and the Jets and the Bitches Back and, you know, Crocodile Rock, and these are all great songs. They hold up. They may, see, they might, they may seem a little cheesy. You know, they're not like edgy songs. It's like edgy rock, Dude, uh, but it's Crocodile great songwriting. Rock. Crocodile Rock is fantastic. It's great songwriting. Got a bunch of Blu-rays from the Naxos people, all the uh, classical stuff and the opera and ballet and all that stuff that Mark can't stand. Uh, this stuff is really, it's just beautiful to look at, but the real reason, if you're, if you're just a classical fan, uh, the real reason to get this stuff, again, as I always say, is for the audio. The lossless audio on these Blu-rays is through the roof, um, and all the, different, uh, all the different labels that Naxos distributes all do pretty much equally outstanding work. The first one is a, uh, an amazing production of Richard Strauss's Electra, uh, the, based on obviously the, the, the famous Sophocles play. And uh, it's just absolutely sensational. This is a, uh, you know, an, really an amazing, surprisingly short opera. Um, and it's great. It's a, it's a wonderful, stylish, cool production. And uh, done with the, the Vienna Philharmonic, and uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Verdi's Aida at the Arena di Verona, which is the, uh, the stadium in, in Verona, which of course is where Romeo and Juliet takes place, uh, is another huge, beautiful, opulent uh, thing done with the uh, Verona Orchestra and uh, conducted by Omer Meyer Velber. It's just, uh, this is also really impressive, a wonderful kind of outdoor, ancient uh, feel to the thing. Uh, Verdi's Otello, done at the uh, Palazzo Ducal di Venezia in Venice, and uh, also kind of a very similar, huge, outdoorsy, you know, Verdi epic feel to it. That's, a, that's also a beautiful production. Uh, Wagner's Parsifal, with the, uh, oh man, I'm going to totally mutilate the pronunciation of this, but what the hell. The Bayreuther Festspiele. And Giuseppe Sinopoli. Gosh, man, that's just... My tongue's going to bleed after this. Uh, that's another beautiful production. So Parsifal, not... This is, you know, the, the Beirut Festival uh, is where this was performed. And uh, it's another just aggressively designed production where they just bring these things into this... You know, the people who do the design on these, the costumes and the art direction and the whole thing... It's like amazing. Like this would be an epic film. This would blow people's minds if this were on, you know, on film as released as a movie. It's like blow. Just it's staggering. You know, it's beyond anything that you would get in even like a, you know, a Jodorowsky film if we can go back there. But really impressive. So those are all cool. And then uh, my favorite of all of these is from the uh, Salzburg Festival. It's um, it's the the uh, Jahreszeiten which means the seasons. And uh, this, of course, is the, uh, the last work by Joseph Haydn, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, piece of work. It is an extraordinary uh, kind of culmination of a great composer's life. It's the, it marks kind of this transitional point in the, uh, the period of romantic composition. You know, Beethoven was sort of the archetypal romantic era composer, but man, this is... This really, you know, Haydn was Beethoven's mentor, and you really, really feel the transition from Haydn to Beethoven and obviously to other composers and beyond, all the way up to Rachmaninoff. Uh, and, uh, you know, makes me want to go to Salzburg, because I've never been to Salzburg, and I've watched the, all the extras on the uh, Sound of Music uh, Blu-ray, and I want to go to Salzburg, damn it. That's all, I want, that's all I can say. So anyway, Vienna Philharmonic, 
uh, does a great job here, and uh, the music, of course, is just to die for, especially if you have a great, great uh, sound system. It'll blow your mind. Uh, Mark, uh, before we completely go, let me uh, kick through a bunch of Warner Archive titles, and then we'll call it quits. Are we the I like that theory, Wade. You got it. We're right at the end of the show. Uh, Warner Archive has a new Blu-ray. These things come few and far between, and uh, when they do, by all means, get them, because almost every one of them is worth checking out. Kismet, Mark. You've seen Kismet. Uh, I, I sure. You haven't seen Kismet. Uh, if I Strang have, I don't even remember it. You, you know the song, uh, Stranger in Paradise? Yes. Take my hand, I'm a stranger in Paradise. That's from Kismet. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying if I saw it, I don't remember. Anyway. It's been too long. Kismet uh, often gets maligned because oh. the people are like, oh, it's so stereotypical and white people, white people and playing, you know, Arabs and Middle Easterners. Come on, people, cut it some slack. The movie was made in 1955. Just come a break. Uh, it's awfully fun. It's very, very fun. So it's from the Arabian Nights. It's a musical. It's great. And uh, directed with just flair and panache, as you could never imagine, by the great Vincent Minnelli. Uh, even comes with an Oscar-nominated short, The Battle of Gettysburg, the first Bad Man cartoon, uh, a couple of excerpts from uh, an MGM uh, TV series. It's great. A lot of fun. And then the other titles, which I'll go through real quickly, uh, Men of the Fighting Lady was an MGM film that starred Van Johnson and Walter Pidgeon. It's, it's uh, you know, kind of a standard war drama. Uh, decent, not, not amazing. Um, the Girl He Left Behind, Tab Hunter and Natalie Wood, better than the material. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's uh, a little bit schmaltzy, but certainly worth checking out just because of the actors. Uh, another pretty decent war film, Jump Into Hell, kind of a second tier, kind of a, a programmer, uh, and a little bit of a kind of a, a rah-rah thing. This all takes place uh, during the uh, Indo-Chinese War. Um, I've seen some movies about Dian Bien Phu. They've never been great. This is uh, the first one, I think, the first American film, certainly, to deal with Dian Bien Phu. And so for that, it's kind of sort of a novelty. Uh, Violent Road is, um, you know, we talked about the uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. and the FBI. This is one of his earlier efforts uh, in a movie. And uh, it's a little bit of a... Um, an, how do we put this? This is, this is kind of almost an angry youth movie from the exploitation era, but not quite. It doesn't really go there. It sort of feels like it's on the verge. It belongs in the same class with the, like the Blackboard Jungle and some of those angry teen movies that the studios were making at the time. We're not in, in like the, uh, what, was the, what was the Brando film? The, uh, the, the Wild One. Wild One. Yeah, it's a little bit in that, in that vein. Uh, Doris Day and Clark Gable in Teacher's Pet. Exactly what you'd expect. Clark Gable's getting old in the tooth. Uh, you know, Doris Day is getting older, but they're uh, not so old that they can't try to be charming in a, in a romantic comedy. The Wall and the Lady with Greer Garson and Michael Wilding, uh, also with Fernando Lamas, is it's okay. It was, it's an MGM title. This fell into the uh, Warner Library with the, with the rest of all that MGM stuff. And uh, you're really watching this just because Fernando Lamas is so cool and Greer Garson is so beautiful and... You're going to go, who's Michael Wilding? Uh, if you're a fan of the Arsene Lupin movies, uh, Arsene, or, or Arsene Lupin, these are also uh, MGM titles that uh, you know, were noteworthy because they had the two uh, Barrymore brothers in them, uh, at least in the original Arsene Lupin, John and Lionel Barrymore. Um, and it's basically a, uh, you know, a, about a gentleman thief, and they're not terribly great movies. They date rather poorly, and even though they're, they're considered kind of shocking at the time because they were pre-code films, it's uh, sort of, I don't know, I don't, I, that, that, that stuff you can pass on. And then lastly, uh, Chase a Crooked Shadow is nice to see that make a, a reappearance. Uh, Richard Todd, Ann Baxter, Herbert Lom. Um, this was kind of a, a controversial thing at the time, as I recall, and uh, sort of uh, one of the one of the more unusual nars, noirs of its day. But I think a really, really interesting directing job by Michael Anderson, who, of course, is one of those directors that nobody could ever quite put their finger on. And uh, I am a fan of Michael Anderson, and even though it's not quite his kind of material, um, you know, we like we like think of Michael Anderson primarily for our era, the, the guy who made Logan's Run. Run. Yeah, 
But um, you know what? It's uh, certainly one of the, if you like noirs, this is one that kind of pushes the envelope. So, uh, and Ann Baxter is not as, as overwrought and shrill as she usually is. You know, she's not saying, oh, Moses, Moses. So, there you go. That's the Warner Archive uh, selection from the week. So, take from that what you will, but Kismet is the one you want to check out. The, uh, one of the rare Warner Archive Blu-rays. You can go to warnerarchive.com. And Kismet is gorgeous. The colors will just pop. Fantastic stuff. You've been Kismet goodbye. Absolutely. All right, Mark, we're done. So send your send your uh, your emails, your Vox boxes. We need some Vox boxes, people. Come on, send them along. Send it all to gods.digigods.com. Gods.digigods.com. We have an outro this week. Do we? It's a one-time only outro. Uh, do the outro. Binge it, baby. Binge it, baby.